The furthest destination you will ever go is from your head to your heart. You have been trained since you were little to live from your head. Knowledge is, is horizontal. Wisdom is vertical. We do not get wisdom from our head. We do cannot wrap our heads around eternity. We cannot wrap our heads around how to love our neighbor. And I'm going to show you all these things. And what I'm going to walk you into is some real healing from what happened to your heart when you were a child and your heart went into dysfunction. And then how do we get back that functional heart that actually loves yourself, born to be loved, and loves your neighbor as, as you love yourself and as God loves them? There's no way you can do it with, without learning how to live from your heart 100% of the time. Okay? Amen? Ready? I don't know that I am. Father, in Jesus' name, we just ask you to walk us from our heads into our hearts in such a radical way this week. God, we have no agenda. I take all agenda off the table. I take any good notes, any good thoughts, any good things I could say. Father, I just lay all of that at the cross. We just hand this week to you, and we just say, you, your kingdom come, your will be done. Do whatever you want to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Living from your whole heart is what makes Christianity work. But very few of us do it because we've never been discipled or trained how to do it. And in fact, for many of us, it's the scariest thing in the world to even think about because I can't let you into my heart because all you're going to do is damage my heart again. And the truth is, guys, most people are going to damage your hearts again. If you allow them, you will have a couple of really good, trustworthy friends your whole life. The rest of everyone will betray you and talk about you and be jealous of what you do. Very, very, very few people celebrate success in others. I literally have one friend, Lonnie Dyer, in my life that celebrates my success. Everybody else downgrades it and is sarcastic about it. They love me and they're good brothers and sisters, but they don't celebrate my success. I got my truck, a little vulnerable. I couldn't tell anyone because they were going to be really angry and really judge me really bad. The only person I could tell was Lonnie. And you know what Lonnie did? Lonnie jumped up and down and danced for a while. Oh, of course, my wife, my wife made me buy the truck. So <laughs> anything I say about my brothers or somebody I can trust, is my wife is always included 100%. Honestly, there's been years where we're the only friends we've had. So that might, may happen too. When Michael died and everybody came out and 3,000 and so people showed up for his funeral and 300 people brought us whiskey and scotch and food every day. And then in, after a month, there was one guy left standing besides Lisa and I, and that was Lonnie Dyer. And he would come over and teach me how to breathe again. He would keep me alive at 3 a.m. Andrew Shearman's one of the most amazing guys in the world. I never heard from him one time when Michael died. He just doesn't do long distance. That's not a, that's not a criticism. It's just, that's just Andrew's life. You've got to know who you're in life with and not hold judgment and criticism against them for being people. People are just people. Okay? And I promise you, most of you don't believe me right now that it's true, but it's true. And, and I want to tell you this as a dad, please keep your deep, dark, ugly stuff to a very limited amount of people. Make your circle small when it comes to being extremely vulnerable and sharing your full, complete heart because people will betray that. People don't know how to handle it. People that. do get jealous without even thinking about it.
you're going to have a handful of people that you can do this with. Okay, now, when it com that comes to trusting people with your heart. When you get to open your heart, you get to open your heart to everyone. And in fact, the, way, the, the only th way that you can actually live from your heart is to actually keep your heart open to people when they betray you, when they talk about you, when they abuse you, and when they hurt you. And we're going to get into this later, but I want to say this right, right up front. We have trained you wrong. If you've read the book, Boundaries, go burn it and throw it away. Thank you. Great author. Great, amazing guy. Very popular book. I wish I'd sell that many books. Guy's rich. It's awesome. It's bullshit. Okay? You do not draw boundaries to keep people out of your heart, even if they've abused you and damaged you. There's no way we get to Ephesians 4 unity by drawing boundaries with everybody in our, in our lives. We get to learn how to establish, by speaking the truth in love, healthy, healthy guardrails with everyone we're in relationship with. This is a whole other way of thinking, and it's going to really tick a few of you off at first, and that's okay. This truth can change the world if we'll get it into us. The deepest desire of God's heart is for us to love Him back with our whole heart. Shockingly, heart disease is the number one cause of death in the Western world. And a sick heart is the number one death of the church in America, of the Western church. Our hearts are sick because we have no hope, because we've not been discipled. And we, we, we built institutions and empire instead of community and life. Jesus spoke a great deal about the heart. The heart is a metaphor for the inner life. The word Jesus used means the seat of the physical, spiritual, and mental life. What I'm going to show you is that your spiritual heart is your personality. The heart is the center and the source of the whole inner life. Thinking, feeling, and willing. Your heart is what thinks, not your head. Your heart is what feels. And your heart is what wills things instead of you're just you're going to will it to be done in your soul. Your soul goes, I'm just going to get up and do it anyway. Damn it! Right? And your heart goes, relax, bro. Rest a little bit. We'll go do it anyway. And I'm going to show it to you. He wants you to have a healthy heart. He said to Samuel, the Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Even more importantly than a healthy physical heart is the condition of your spiritual heart. Quickly in these passages, we see five key ways to keep your spiritual heart healthy. Okay, and I have Morgan sending these to you guys. Sorry, I should have had them printed before this. All right, we got Proverbs 6, guard your heart. It's okay to guard your heart. Jesus taught the, that adultery starts in the heart. He said, I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. What are we going to do, boys, with porn if this is true? Do you not consider that real lust? Like it's like thousands and thousands of pixels of a little girl who we're lusting over on a picture on our phone. Does that seem pathetic to you? Again, I can, I can start scrolling and stop and go, oh, nope, 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 don't get to do that, right? Because they're gorgeous. God, thank you, Jesus, for women. But if it's actually from our heart, and I'm trying to stop my porn addiction by praying enough and fasting enough and getting my friends to pray for me enough, I'm missing the whole point because I've got to stop it in my heart first because that's where it started. Matthew 5, 28, his teaching goes back to the book of Proverbs where the writer emphasizes the importance of the heart. Do not lust in your heart. Proverbs 6, 25. 
He warns of the terrible dangers of adultery. We are dealing with something so powerful, it's like a fire. In its right place, just like fire in the fireplace, sex within marriage is a source of great shakata blessing. However, if you allow your sexual desires to go in the wrong direction, then it's like fire in your lap. Can a man scoop fire into his lap without his clothes being burned or his dick being burned off? No. Can a man, uh, can a man walk on hot coals without his feet being scorched? So is he who sleeps with another man's wife. Kind of important. Kind of important with premarital sex. I know it really doesn't matter anymore. I know most of my children are living with their soulmates. I get it. And it's a very real thing, but we've tried to teach you how to deal with lust and sexual things from your head and not your heart. In fact, we've tried to teach you how to use most of your head to try to get out of most of your issues. And that's why we're going to get so healed this week. Adultery does not usually just appear from nowhere. The unfaithfulness starts with the heart. This is where we have to exercise self-discipline. Take these words of wisdom and bind them around your heart. Verse 21. Lord, help me to take your words and bind them upon my heart. When I walk, may they guide me. When I sleep, may they watch over me. When I awake, may they speak to me. May they be like a lamp and a light, keeping me on the way of life. Guard my heart, Lord. Guarding of my heart is not guarding it from you. Guarding of my heart is guarding it from me. I have to learn to bind wisdom around my heart so I can trust my own heart for the first time in a long time. Because you've been taught that you can't trust your heart. I guard my heart for me. I guard my heart against wrongful thinking, right and wrong dualistic thinking, lustful thoughts. Once I cast for a lustful thought in my heart, I have to bind my heart to the Word of God. Bind my heart to His heart. So instantly, and I'm going to teach you this, I know you don't believe me. I practice this every day. Again, especially with my dog. He's just a punk. He just, I'm like on a brisk walk, and he wants to smell every damn plant and cactus, right? I'm like, come on! Oh, Father, I have an angry heart. Can you give me a soft heart right now? And the Father instantly gives me a soft heart. Father, I'm looking at this woman lustfully. I don't want to look at her lustfully. I want to see her the way you see her. Father, can you give me a heart of purity right now instead of my heart of lust? And he instantly gives me a heart of purity. Now, if it doesn't come instantly, I know the enemy's up to something. I know the enemy's trying to trip me up into something and trying to put something in my heart of seed that's going to birth later that's nasty. So I get to go, oh, no, Father, in Jesus' name, I take authority over lust in my life, over lust over Dylan, lust over Christian. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you that Jeff got to join us this week. I break pornography over his life right now. So not only do I take it over my heart, I start praying for all my buddies, and it lifts because I have to go to war. Guys, we're in a war. It's called warfare. And if you don't learn to war in your heart, you won't stop anything. Because you can stop the devil for a minute. But if you haven't dealt with your own heart in the root, it's going to come back over and over until you go, God, I just, I just, I'm, a, I'm addicted to porn. And the devil goes, whoopsie, got it, attaches a spirit to it, and now you really are addicted to porn because you just made an agreement from your heart with a lie of the enemy. And this is true with everything in your life, everything in your life that trips you up. It's not a heaven and hell issue anymore, guys. It's how am I bringing kingdom to earth issue every day, every moment of my life. I can't bring kingdom to earth and minister to somebody's heart if I'm sitting over here lusting in my heart in, in secret and doing all these other things that nobody knows about. 
There's no way I get to bring kingdom to earth being that kind of person. Do you understand? That's too rough? Do you believe me? Second, love Jesus with your whole heart, Mark 12, 28 through 37. There's something delightful about the teaching of Jesus. The large crowd listened to him with delight. And he says in Psalms 34, 37, I rescued you because I delight in you. He rescues me because of that delight right there. If I were asked to summarize this teaching in one word, I would use the word love. When Jesus is asked by a lawyer which of all the commandments is the most important, he replies, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. He doesn't put heart at the beginning. I mean, it's up there by purpose. If you can't learn how to do this from your heart, you cannot do it from your soul. You cannot do it from your mind and you cannot do it in your own strength. It doesn't work. Does that make sense? The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. Guys, you cannot love your neighbor as you love yourself because you don't love yourself because of all the hiddenness in your hearts. I am in love with Gary Black. I am. I love Gary Black. And when Gary Black messes up, I get to go, Gary Black, you just messed up. Go confess that to somebody. Confess it. Do 1 John 1, 9. Confess it to the Father. Father, I confess. I have a, I have a heart of anger. I want to kill my dog right now. I want to, I want to kick him into next week. Father, I could... It's in me, but I know that something better is in me. So, Father, can I have your heart of compassion right now in Jesus' name? And instantly, guys, it comes. And I love that about myself. I love learning how to do that. I love living this life to the full because I live it from my heart, not my head anymore. It took me 55 years to figure this out, guys. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself, verse 30 and 31. At the center of the message of Jesus is a love relationship with the Lord your God, which starts with your heart and overflows into a love for other people. Who is the Lord? The question underlining all this quizzing of Jesus is who does this man think he is? In the temple court, Jesus turns the tables on them by challenging their assumptions about the coming Messiah, the Christ. He asked them a question quoting Psalms 110, one of my favorite Psalms, by the way. Oh, Read it. He challenges the idea that Christ will simply be a king from David's line. He will not only be a son of David, he will be David's Lord. That's Mark 12, 35 through 7, 37. We know, now know that Jesus is the Lord. The command to love the Lord with all your heart is the command to love Jesus with all your heart. Make this the number one priority of your life. Jesus is concerned not with legalistic literalism, but with the spirit of of the law. He is concerned not with outward appearances, but with the heart every single time. Third, focus on your heart. Speaking for myself, I find that hypocrisy is always a danger in my own life. It is the temptation to be concerned about positions, platforms, titles, and honors. And we have to be careful about praying prayers to impress rather than from the heart. This is why I say to everybody, if I'm sick and I'm in the hospital and I'm dying from something, I don't need you all to come and pray for me. I need those of you that know you have authority from your heart to pray for the sick and see them healed to come lay hands on me. That's who I want to come pray for me. We speak the word of Lord through our prayers and then we shut up. When I prophesy, I don't prophesy for 15 minutes. I say what is on God's heart for a few minutes and then I'm quiet. If I keep droning on and on and on, we miss the whole point. Our prayers should be short and to the word of the Lord, to the point. And our prophecy should be the same way. And honestly, our conversations. 
It's a lot better to listen than it is to talk. Yeah. My point is, is that you can pray through it very quickly by the word of the Lord and what's in God's heart for your heart instead of your good long prayers just because you're nervous. Jesus criticized the leaders of his day because their hearts are not right. They are far more concerned about outward appearances than they are about their own hearts. He says they love to walk around in academic gowns, preening in the radiance of public flattery, basking in prominent positions, sitting at the head of the table at every church function, and all the time they're exploiting the weak and helpless. The longer their prayers, the worse they get. Now, this might seem like, yeah, those stupid Pharisees and Sadducees. We do this same exact thing. That's why I wanted to be a TikTok star and I had to delete TikTok. I just think that'd be awesome. It would just be fun. <laughs> 3.5 million likes, four grand. Like, that's awesome. God's like, really black? Delete it. Delete TikTok. It's ridiculous. So I got to delete it. I did love some of the... Anyway. <laughs> All the things mentioned indicate their love of being showed difference and of receiving honor from other people. But God is not concerned about status and show. He's concerned about your hearts. Number four, last one, I think. Give from your heart. Jesus is not concerned about the size of your wallet. He's concerned about the size of your heart. Jesus challenged the conventional assumption that large gifts are worth more to God than small ones. He encourages us, one Starbucks a month. I don't know. He encourages us that it is not only the rich who can please God through their giving, the poor can do so as well. He challenges the rich that it is not enough simply to give sums that greatly surpass that of the poor. Jesus was looking for generous and sacrificial hearts. What we give and in the way in which we give, in the way we do give, 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 give free, 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 reflects our hearts. Jesus does not actually criticize the rich people who throw in large amounts of money, but he does say that the poor widow who gives two very small copper coins worth only a few pence has put in more than all of the others. Jesus sees her heart and the fact that this poor widow gave more to the offering than, than all the others put together. All the others that gave what they, they'll never miss. She gave extravagantly what she couldn't afford. She gave her all. Others look at the outward appearance. Jesus looks at the heart. It is not the amount, but the attitude of the heart that matters to God. Here's the last prayer. Lord, help me to love you with all of my heart and with all of my soul and with all of my mind and with all of my strength. Forgive me for the times that I've been concerned about status or show and help me focus not on outward appearance, but on the heart. Lord, help me to be generous and sacrificial in my giving. Make me a generous heart. Last one, keep your heart holy. He speaks through this all through the Old Testament and all through the New and how he's always looking to the heart and not to any of our actions and what we can do. Go take a break and we'll start.